Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, a strong and powerful Justin Goodbread. Justin, are you ready to do this? Yeah, man, let's do this. Excellent. Let's do this. Justin is a CFP, a CEPA, a CVGA, wealth manager, the owner of Heritage Investors. He's a speaker, blogger, podcaster, author. He is an Investopedia Top 100 Advisor and EPI's Planner of the Year. I'm excited to have you on. Justin, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. So I am married to a beautiful wife, and I have three kids. We live on a hobby farm out here in East Tennessee. Um, just living the life, brother, having a good time, living the dream. Um, what I do is I help business owners maximize their value, their net worth. Why do I do it? Because I'm a business owner. I've started and sold three businesses to date for a profit. I know how difficult the process is to exit a business. I also know that most business owners' net worth is their business, which is devastating. So the reason why I do what I do is to try to change the trend. And the trend is that less than 16% of business owners will walk away with a full value of what their business is worth because they haven't planned for it. So that's kind of about me and those little top three questions that you had. Excellent. So... For people that, that are not familiar with the CEPA and CVGA designation, would you tell us about those? Sure. So the CEPA stands for a Certified Exit Planning Advisor. It's issued by the EPI or the Exit Planning Institute. And the idea behind that designation is to teach advisors of various disciplines. I just so happen to be a CFP, a Certified Financial Planner, but I have lots of my friends who are in that um, exit planning world who are CPAs, attorneys, uh, various transition experts, investment bankers, etc. Um, and the idea with behind the CEPA is to teach advisors, how to be the head coach, if you will, the quarterback, the person who walks the business owner through or up to and through the transition of their business. So that's a little bit about this CEPA. Now, whenever I came into the financial world, I obviously entered in like many people do and ultimately found myself as a certified financial planner only to realize that there is more to life than investments like many of my brothers and sisters do in the industry. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a great need out there. But with my passion to helping business owners, I realized that, as I mentioned earlier, the Business owners, number one asset is often their business. Um, I've seen so many profit and loss statements, so many net worth statements. And when you look at a business owner, they may have a little bit of money in cash. And I felt like we were robbing them of expert advice by not being able to teach them how to grow their business. So I immediately jumped into the CEPA world, which is the exit planning world, because I had already sold businesses and I was a natural fit and wanted to see if I could have done things differently for myself and how to help our current client base. What I quickly learned, George, is that we have to go into the companies sooner than whenever someone wants to retire. You know, so many times people will say, I want to hire an exit planner and they say, I want to sell the business next year. 
only to discover the business is not worth selling or it's not the value they expected. So the Certified Value Growth Advisor, the CBGA, the latter uh, de uh, designation you mentioned, that's a designation issued mostly to CPAs, mostly to tax advisors, um, number crunchers, bookworms like myself, and it teaches us how to actually grow the value of a company. And so when you couple those three disciplines together, that of personal financial planning with a CFP, that of helping a company transition and knowing what sellers are expecting from a particular company, then it only saw fit for me to actually learn how to help our clients grow their company. So when the time comes, the practice or the company or whatever it is will be marketable. So buyers are willing to pay the, the sellers top dollars. So those are the, the reasons and those are the disciplines of those designations. And that, that definitely makes a lot of sense to me. Um, there are, it's such a challenge for business owners to successfully transition, to get value out of the businesses that they work so hard to do it. And it probably makes sense for, well, I'll just ask you, when does it make sense for business owners to, to engage in conversations like this? You know, I'm going to say as early as possible. Um, and the reason for it, I would say at at least five years out, it takes to help a business owner position their company for maximum value five years out from their pro proposed sale date. But what we're seeing right now in the marketplace is there's a lot of dollars out there. There's a lot of dollars with hedge funds that are coming in private equity world right now. And people are getting offers on their businesses now, never expecting that to happen. I've had this happen several times in the last week where, where people call me from all over the country saying, Justin, I need to sell my practice or my business or whatever the type of business it is. And I was offered X only to discover that X is a good offer, but it's not the top offer. So what I like to do is I like to couple the business planning from the infancy of the business as soon as possible, just like financial planning for people. Whenever we're dealing with the business owner's personal life, we're looking at them saying, here's what you need to accomplish in your personal life. Here's how compounding interest works. Here's how debt reduction works over a period of 15, 20, 30 years. The same thing works in business. It takes a, a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of uh, oh, a lot of manpower to prepare that business for maximum value, maximum value to which the business owner can walk away from. Not to mention it's going to take, you know, a year, two, maybe three years to find the proper buyer who is willing to pay the maximum value. So I say that in short, to answer that question after that long explanation, business owners want to get working on this sooner than later, because we never know when someone who has cash in hand is going to approach us. And when that time comes, we want to make sure the business is positioned to so that we can receive maximum value and not be unprepared. And that definitely makes sense. Um, what what does the process look like for a business owner who, who, who engages in this? And I, I guess the next question is, what are some of the biggest holdups for a business yeah. owner to, 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 to start that process? Yeah, those are both very good questions. So the process is not that dissimilar from the certified financial planners process that many CFPs are trained. What we do in our office, um, whenever we merged all three of these disciplines together, is you start with the goal. What is the goal? What is the goal for the business owners or owners plural? What is their particular goal? What's their timeline? You know, I, I use in my podcast, I use an analogy that says, hey, I live in East Tennessee. If I want to drive to Oregon, at least I know where I'm headed. How to get there? I 
can go a number of different ways. I could even visit you in Arizona on my way to Oregon if I wanted to, right? So you, you pull back to the business owner to what is the goal that you're trying to accomplish in your personal life? Oftentimes we stay so focused on our on our business life that we we retire, we sell the business, only find out now we're depressed or we end up thinking we made a mistake. So you pull back the personal and that becomes the root. You know, most of us got into business to benefit ourselves or our family or to change something or create some sort of legacy. And I've, I've seen many different aspects. So the very first step is you take a personal approach to it. Why, what are you doing and why are we trying to accomplish it? Then once we know that, there's a, there's a term that I use called value gap. And if we know what those personal goals are, then we know the dollar figure that we need to have to achieve those goals. The most common goal I hear is, hey, I want to retire at age 50. I want to retire at age 55 or 60 with X number of dollars. Well, now we know our destination. So once we know our destination, then we know what we have to do in our business business to drive the value to where that that goal can be met. You know, if someone wants to grow a $10 million business, a sell pri- a sell price of $10 million as opposed to a sell price of $100 million, those are two different directions you have to go in. So once you know the personal goals, you know the destination, then we can do the analysis on where is the business at today? Where's your personal finance at today? And how do we marry the two of them together so that we can bridge that value gap and get that individual to that destination. Once we have that process, a quantifiable process that moves us year by year, quarter by quarter, month by month, week by week, even sometimes to that destination, then ultimately we're constantly taking a, a viewpoint, looking forward, saying, hey, look, we're on track. Now's the time to begin this transition process, the exodus of the business. And like I said, that could take a year. You may be grooming somebody within the practice or your business to take it over. Um, so it, it just depends on the bigger picture. So it, it's not that dissimilar, man, from from the the what certified financial planners have been trained. It's just more business centric than what the personal financial planners are often trained to do. So this is a process that that like like the the like the personal financial planning process. The owner the client has to be really engaged in this process at every step, I would have to imagine. Almost definitely. Not only the owner, depending on the size of the business, it's often key managers. So I'm working with businesses that are net worth valued right now at $60 million, and you may end up having a whole team of people that you're working with to whom the owner has delegated some, some skills or some responsibility to. Um, and then at the same token, we're working with mom and pops. I call them solopreneurs who have a small little trade business and it's them by themselves. And in that case, it's even more that they have to just get in and, and build a systematic process. You know, the question you asked me about what is one of the biggest holdups to getting this done, it's, I would say it's twofold. Number one is it's, it's the lack of clarity on what people want to accomplish in life. You know, in the personal finance space, we've all seen it to where um, we often don't know where we're going or how to get there. So the lack of clarity in our vision, our goals is the word it's often tossed about. It's not that dissimilar for the business owner. You know, most people got in business to make money and all of a sudden we're making money or we're not making money. And now we're just dealing with the day to day operations, that that old adage of working in the business versus working on the business. So I'd say that's one of the largest. The second one is this time. Um, business owners, we're, we're so focused on keeping the business afloat that we spend 60, 70, 80 hours a week in order not to have somebody pay us to work 40. I mean, that's, that's who we are. We're, we're, we, you know, we're the type that would charge hell with a water pistol. So in that personality makeup of that entrepreneur or that business owner or owners, plural, if it's a partnership, 
it's trying to to delineate, to prioritize the things which are more valuable to reaching the goal, knowing that you're going to remove some of the wasted time expenses. So those are the probably the two biggest areas that hinder business owners from reaching their actual goals is number one, not knowing them. Number two is the, is the, is a misuse of time. And which certainly makes sense. And I mean, geez, if, if people are going to get what they want out of life in general, whether they stay in the business or not, it's, it's valuable, essential to have clarity on what's important to you and, and where you're really driving towards. And I have to imagine that a lot of the time, if somebody says, okay, I'm interested in selling my business, I guess. But again, if they don't have any idea what they're going to do after they're done with, you know, after they've exited, well, they're probably going to probably sabotage the process sometimes even. Well, I'm going to take it a step further because you're right. You're, you're exactly right, George. But I was, I'm writing a book that's supposed to come out here called The Ultimate Sale. And in the book, I went in my research um, through the AMAA, the American Mergers and Acquisition Alliance. There was a statistic that blew my mind. And the statistic was dealing with middle markets. Middle market businesses are those which would sell between 5 to $10 million, all the way up to $100 million, depending on which, which assessment you want to take. And in the middle market right now, there's currently about 324000 324,000 businesses which fit that, which are going to transition, and I'm using that word tactically, in the next 10 years. That's just the middle market. That's not the businesses which are under five or ten million dollars in value. So out of those three hundred and twenty million, I'm sorry, three hundred twenty thousand businesses which are going to transition in the next ten years, and the reason for it, candidly, is because of 0789 pushed a lot of the baby boomers later into life because of the major downfall. But now we've got a huge amount of exodus taking place. The people are either going to sell them. They're going to walk away and just close them down. They're going to sell them for a value that is not worth what they expect. They're going to give them to their kids at a no value at all. But ultimately, every person is going to leave their business. We are. We're going to die, if nothing else, and we're going to leave our business. Out of those 320,000 businesses, only about 16,000 of them will sell without concessions will sell for what the owner actually thinks it's worth without having to carry a note, without having to have chargebacks or clawbacks or givebacks, without having to do stock issues. They're they're talking about about walkaway money, only about 16,000. And the reason for it is, is because just like every other business owner, I'm there, I get in my business and I'm struggling just trying to make profits, trying to pay payroll, pay the car payments for all of our employees, just doing what's right as good as good fiduciaries in our businesses. Yet we don't realize that time goes by ever so quickly and ever so subtly. And so before you know it, George, the business owner is now age 60 age 65, age 70, age 80, even some cases. And all they have in assets is a very, very small 401k that they haven't put money into because they've been reinvesting in the business and they have a business that's not going to be sold. So man, I want to change that. I mean, think about all those employees who've been working years upon years upon years, just in that middle market area. And they're now destitute. The business closes. They themselves have to go out and find other issues. Then when you consider, George, on top of that alarming statistic, I'm talking about middle markets in the lower markets, which is 5 million to 10 million businesses and lower, there's 5.7 million business owners there. And if you put those two together, we're talking about 6 million business owners, somewhere in that range that less than 4% are going to sell 
for what they actually think it's worth. That's sad. That's, that's a legacy that I do that I certainly don't want to leave in my business. And it's a legacy that most business owners don't realize is coming at them like a freight train. Yeah, those are staggering numbers for sure. I, I don't think that I, I, I don't think that I could have guessed or, or, or estimated that the numbers would be that low. And what that suggests to me is that it's, there's major problems and problems that you're working to address. So, there's that term interrogating reality and having those fierce conversations. Do you think that that's one of the big issues here is that people just avoid having these conversations? And if so, or whatever your take is, how do you get people to start addressing these issues? I think we, I think I need to answer the last part of that first. And the last part of it is what we're doing here today is talking about is making is it's getting the information out in front of today's business owner, not just the, not just the baby boomers who want to leave in the next 10 years, but people my age who are just at 40, people who are at 20 years old, showing them that, Hey, this thing of business is fun, but unless you have something that's given you an ROI, a return on your investment, unless you have something that is transferable, you don't have an asset, you have a job and starting to teach people that, you know, there's some big, there's some big names in the industry, which have now started changing their term. I, I noticed even Tony Robbins the other day, um, I was listening to a particular, one of his podcasts, um, and he even kind of retooled some of his talking points to even try to bring light to this particular study and the particular data point. So I think the latter part of your question is we deal with it like we're dealing with now. We get education out in front of people and we talk about it nonstop. Now, as to why this is happening, man, I, I can give as many reasons as the day is long. I think number one, though, I think it goes back to the age old problem, George, and that is we are so busy working in our businesses. We're so busy trying to chase the dollar. We're so busy um, trying to drive profitability, which is a good thing to drive, that we don't that, and we think that at some point we're going to be able to sell this thing, but we never really think about the exit. We never really think about, you know, profitability is good, but it doesn't drive value in and of itself. It takes many things to drive value. So I think as a little bit of, of reluctancy, I think it's a little bit of laziness on the business owner side, um, laziness in the terms that it's just not a priority because we want to drive profitability. Um, I think it's because honestly, when you start dealing with what with things that which drive value and you start dealing with the, the business world, um, I think there's a problem in the industry as a whole that so many f- people who have the knowledge to help business owners solely, fer- solely focus on businesses that are in that 70, 80, 90, 100 million plus range um, that they forsake the average mom and pop who, you know, they employ 300 people and they have a business worth $12 million. They just, they don't get good advice. So I I think it's a lot of different reasons which lead to it. But the way we get around it is we start education, we start talking about it and we start laying out roadmaps or disciplines like the Exit Planning Institute has done, like uh, Value Growth Investment, the corporate, corporate metrics have laid out. And even to some point, George, like the CFP boards did for the fi- personal financial space some 20 years ago. So I think that's how you deal with it. I think that that definitely makes sense. Well, Justin, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? My difference-making tip is this, and that is strategic planning must become a priority. Whenever I talk about strategic planning, 
I want your your audience to boil down, no matter where they're at in business, they need to boil down every year, especially now. We're recording this in early 2019. As people are listening to this in early 2019 or any time throughout the year, you want to identify the three specific objectives that you want to accomplish in your business this year or this fiscal year, depending on when you're listening to this. And of those three specific objectives, you want one of them and only one of them to be financial in nature. And so, George, if you could think about like a college basketball bracketing system, like I'm fixing to describe, you would start off with three lines and there would be three objectives. And for each of those objectives, remember, one of them has to be financial. Then you want to identify the three um tactics which will help you accomplish that objective. So for example, an objective might be we want to increase our marketing. Well, three tactics would be we're going to increase our marketing through social media, print media, something else, whatever it may be. Then after you have identified the three uh, tactics for each one of those objectives, now you're going to put three specific action steps in place for each one of those tactics. So for example, if we want to increase our media, we want to increase our marketing, so therefore we're going to use social media. The three action steps may be we're going to post X number of times per day on this social media channel. We're going to have guests on our podcast, and this is how we're going to accomplish that. And we're going to have number three, we're going to try to grow our viewer base through paid advertising. So if, if the business owner can boil down their year to three specific and only three things they want to accomplish and then identify with those three objectives, three different tactics, and then three different actions, at the end of this, they're going to have 27 different action items that they can specifically put quantification on and time constraints on during the business year that at the end of the year, they look back and if they accomplish half of them, they accomplish 10 of them or nine of them, they're going to look back and be very grateful and look at the numbers um, to their goals and say, man, if I had not done that, I would not have accomplished this. So my, my biggest my difference making tip is focus on strategic planning. It's got to be the key for every business owner. Like that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on, come on. Justin, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they find your podcast? Sure. Yeah. So I have two companies. One is Heritage Investors. That's where we do conduct our, our events for clients and we're out there on the web. But where I would point most of the Savage Nation to is check out Financially Simple. Financially Simple is my educational hub. We um, That's where all my best information goes. We have a podcast that you can Google, Financially Simple Podcast. Social media is everywhere. Books are coming out. Courses, you name it. It can all come through financiallysimple.com. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Justin your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to Financially Simple, check out the podcast and all the other great stuff that he's got going on. Thank you again, Justin. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review. And definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.